Okay, Syracuse fans, happy St. Patrick's Day. It feels weird that it is a holiday, given everything that's going on in the world right now. But thanks for checking out Locked on Syracuse again today. Tim Leonard, Tyler Rocky, we have you every single weekday on Locked on Syracuse. You can follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Syracuse. Tyler, a lot of news again to discuss today because the transfer portal is happening right now. Bryson Goodine was quickly swooped up by Providence. He's going closer to home. That news became official on Monday yesterday. Torian Thompson is back in the transfer portal to after portal. just a... I think, That's where every, every yeah. former Syracuse player is hanging out right now. Matthew Moyer, right. Torian Thompson, it, the it's, new crop It's a people. happening spot. It's, a, it's an elite fraternity right now in the portal, Tim. Yeah, and you got to feel for Torian Thompson a little bit because he just kind of rode the bench at Seton Hall and... Now he's got one year left of eligibility. And he, he was, was the guy when he was at the main guy who was a part of that tampering charge against Seton Hall. Yeah, he was the patient right. zero of that while he was at Syracuse, and then maybe it wasn't Seton worth it there. Yeah, because <laughs> mm-hmm. they didn't get much out of him, and we always knew he had some defensive inefficiencies. But I mean, he was a great offensive player for Syracuse, and I would have guessed he'd be one of those transfers that would pan out at a different place, kind of like I'd sort of expecting Bryson Goodine to do because I do feel like that's a pretty good fit for him at Providence, a place that goes deep into their bench, plays a lot of guards, and obviously he'll have to sit out a year now, but it's weird that those two things happened, and then you also have Seth Towns announced on Monday night on Twitter, he said a decision is coming this week, so Syracuse inside his top six, according to reports, and we're going to have a lot to discuss, I think, again this week, despite all the craziness that's happening in the world. Yeah, little, little coronavirus can't slow down the Syracuse news cycle. But uh, seriously, all kidding aside, I'm happy that we do have a little bit of a distraction. And I'm sure Syracuse fans are in the same boat right now because there is so much happening on in the orange world. And it's kind of crazy that with everything that is going on, that we have had this bevy of news right now. And you hear everyone talking about how happy they are that the NFL is in full swing with its free agency period. And Syracuse really has been the same way. And honestly, let's just take a look at the transfer portal in general. I mean, that thing's been bumping these last couple of days. Yeah. The Landers Nolly. Yeah, Landers Nolly. Now, he won't be a Syracuse target because the way that the rules are set up, if you transfer within the conference, you have to sit out two years, not one. So you can pretty much cross his name out, albeit he would be a great fit for this Orange team. But, yeah, no, it's been a, a crazy couple of days in the transfer portal as well. It has. And I do think Goodine says a lot about him that he was picked up right away it seems like maybe he kind of had a feeling inside his head because I know Matthew Gutierrez who we're going to talk to tomorrow on this podcast reported that Bryson was thinking of transferring really since the start of ACC play and once it got to the conference portion the 2020 portion of the schedule he had in his head that he was going to transfer so he's probably thinking about schools and it was a pretty quick decision to go home closer to home that is and play at Providence, which I think is a good fit for him. And there's two ways to look at it. Maybe he should have gotten more playing time when he was here at Syracuse, but on, on on the other end of the spectrum, he really didn't perform like I think anyone expected him to. And you can knock Bayheim for the playing time thing and the short leash a little bit, but I don't think anyone really was too impressed with his play on the court when he was on the court. He did have the game winner against Wake Forest. So 
I don't know. I'm very torn on where I fall on should he have gotten more playing time because I never really saw him show his full potential. Maybe outside of that one game where Buddy got hurt. I'm trying to remember who they were playing. I think it was Pittsburgh on the road. Mm -hmm. And the second time they played him, I think there we saw some signs, but he just never got his confidence, and maybe that's because he didn't get the proper playing time. I don't know. Right, and it seems like Providence good fit. You mentioned closer to home. Also the fact that the Friars are going to lose two of their top three scores, and two of those guys are guards. So Alpha Diallo and Luan Pipkins both going to be graduating. Barring something that we may see where the NCAA institutes an extra year for some of these guys, but... Who knows? That's that's a whole nother can of worms that maybe we'll get down to in a later podcast, albeit it wouldn't affect Syracuse really at all. So, yeah, this is an open opportunity now for Goodine to show what he can do, and he's going to have a chance, it seems like, to eventually slide into that point guard role. Again, we don't know what's going to happen with transfer rules as well. Those could also be changing to the point where they may not need to sit out a year so we'll see that's true what that's everything holds and that's why i think the transfer portal is so interesting this year because it is so full already so maybe some of these players are anticipating that there is going to be some sort of rule in the mix about players that don't have to necessarily sit out for a year and they can just go play with their new teams right away so keep your eyes out for that i think that's a little wrinkle in here that we should definitely at least allude to yeah, have you seen what's happening over at Wichita State, by the way? Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> it's not, I think it's what is it, five players? Yeah. yeah. Check out Greg Marshall's squad. Right, and it might not be Greg Marshall's squad, maybe. <laughs> maybe that's why everyone's jumping ship. I, that's obviously just speculation, and this isn't a Wichita State podcast. Locked on Shockers. Yeah, yeah, they've had, they maybe have a couple guards that could come to Syracuse now because they've yeah. got so many that are there but obviously you're looking for the grad transfer route mostly unless they do change that rule because you kind of want someone that can make an impact next year if you're Syracuse one of those guys that could make an impact next year I talked about at the top but Seth Towns has said a decision is coming at some point this week he tweeted that out and his list his top six according to John Rothstein and Jeff Borzello is Kansas Virginia Syracuse of course Ohio State, who we grew up being a fan of, grew up in that area, played at the same high school as Jared Sellinger, who went on to Ohio State. Also Trey Burke, who went to Michigan. Michigan is also on his list. And then that final school is Maryland. So you've got all teams that played better than Syracuse this year, but the appeal for Syracuse is the playing time. And this is a guy who played at Harvard. He's missed the last two seasons because of injury, but he was a top 150 recruit. He's got a ton of talent was Ivy League player of the year caliber a couple years ago when he was healthy and could slide into that small forward position. I think he could start if he came. The kicker is it doesn't seem like he's coming to Syracuse based on what we've heard and based on the list of other schools that are after him. Which is a real shame because I'm looking at his numbers right now, and yes, you may be saying, oh, Ivy competition, he averaged 14 against a pack of nerds. Well, let me tell you... The, this Harvard team, while Seth Towns was a part of it, played a number of Power 5 schools. I'm looking right now. It looks like it's four. And then a couple other significant ones, if you include teams like Vermont and Houston, teams that are capable of getting to the NCAA tournament. So 
here's how the numbers break down, all right? He had double figures in nearly every single one of those Power 5 games. The only one he didn't was against Stanford, and that was his first career game. So outside of that... He had 18 against Boston College, and then the next year after that, dropped 25 against Kentucky, and then also had a a 10-point performance to go along with seven rebounds against Minnesota. All right, so he has played well against major-level college basketball, so that kind of shows you. And that's, again, as just a freshman and a sophomore. Well, not only is he playing basketball, but he's battling uh, against a Harvard academic load as well. He's a super talented player. You and I would both love to see him in orange, but again, the academics thing might be tough when you look at some of the other schools that are looking at him, and maybe Syracuse can't stack up well enough there. Yeah, and we've talked about this before, but a lot of talk is going to be on that center position, and that was my main concern about next year, really up until Barama Sidibe started playing great, really up until Jim Beheim made those comments about his lack of ability to recruit the center position yeah. ESPN Rochester, because then Sidibe flipped a switch a little bit. I'm not all in on Sidibe, but I do feel better about him if he can stay out of foul trouble and continue to progress in his senior year. So now the main concern for me becomes the scoring void that Elijah Hughes is likely going to leave because, as we expect, he's probably going to go to the NBA draft. So then Buddy Beheim's your top returning option from last year. And we saw Buddy in that number one role a couple times, unfortunately, this year because Hughes was injured. And when you can dedicate your defense to stopping him, it's he's not the same player. Joe Girard was actually more the number one guy when Hughes was out. And I don't know about you, but Girard took a couple too many bad shots for me to feel too confident about him as a sophomore going into that role. I think Gary A will score more next year. Dolzhai will still be a factor scoring-wise. But this team next year is going to go from a top 25 offense on Ken Palm to maybe outside the top 100. I mean, it's kind of early to say, but... I think it's going to be a completely different offensive-looking team if they cannot replace that Hughes void, and that's what Towns could do for them. But again, I don't think he's coming. It's going to be interesting, certainly, and you bring up Joe Girard and who is the next option, and Towns would be a great guy to be that next option. But is it feasible that he comes or not? That's kind of what we're all battling with right now because it's going to be tough to sway him, especially if... The decision is coming soon in the wake of all this stuff that's going on where you can't visit schools and stuff like that. Not that there's much to visit now and really that schools would even allow visits because some of them would be in their respective tournaments. But yeah, no, I think Towns would be a great fit with this team, especially when you and I both think Elijah Hughes is on his way out the door. But again, it's probably not going to happen if we're, we're realistically speaking. Yeah. So we'll monitor that. We will monitor the other transfers. We're going to have some time later in the week, I think, to discuss more about this wild transfer portal, this transfer market, and now Syracuse is on the hunt for guards as well after losing them. So after everything that happened this week, we wanted to take a look at the depth chart and sort of project next year a little bit. We're going to break down who Syracuse has coming back and why maybe it's a bit of an overreaction to think this week was that crippling for the Orange. We'll talk about the depth chart next on Locked on Syracuse. 
All right, so Syracuse lost a fourth of its team this week. I, I wish that was a joke, but that is what happened to the transfer portal when you count Brendan Paul as well, who was a preferred walk-on. Now they've got 10 scholarship players left. The thing is, Tyler, they really only lost, what, like two points per game from the right. roster last year? Yeah, that's what makes it so interesting because when you look at it, and Ken Palm does a great statistic called uh, – continuity basically what percentage of your points and minutes are coming back year to year and Syracuse is going to have a pretty high continuity because they're they're not going to lose a lot I mean you're going to lose Elijah Hughes but you're still going to bring back four starters like if you told me and it, really if you told any team in the country you are going to lose a quarter of your roster to the transfer portal alone they would be freaking out but in reality when you look at things you're losing one starter, and it's Elijah Hughes. And again, obviously, Goodine and Jalen Carey would probably step into a much larger role going into next season. But this is, you, you really haven't lost a ton in production because, I mean, as much as I like Howard Washington as, as a person, I. He didn't give you a, t well, I won't say he didn't give you a ton on the floor, he just didn't get on the floor a lot. Okay, so th there is going to be a lot of, of continuity from this past roster to the upcoming roster. Yeah, it's it's odd because, I mean, now they have 10 guys and people are saying, like, we need to add some players. But let's be honest, like, Bayheim's only going to play seven or eight again next year. So it, it's weird to me because even with the roster they have right now, which is they, they just lost four players, really three players, and they might lose Braswell, as Matthew Gutierrez talked about in his article. He's also sort of figuring that out, it sounds like. So if they lose Braswell, they have nine guys. Maybe, I mean, you'd like to get Seth Towns, ideally, but as we said, that seems unlikely. So as you run through this depth chart, as you said, four returning starters back. You'd expect it to be JG3, Buddy in the backcourt again. Probably Quincy slides in and fills that lone returning starter void if Elijah Hughes does in fact leave so then Dolezal and Sidibe are your front court with Gary behind them as well and then the bench is obviously hypothetical because we don't exactly know what the freshmen Richmond and Woody Newton are going to give you but you've got them two as options so you got really just one guard off the bench is Richmond and he's not a quote-unquote point guard that hurts but Braswell's there as well if he does come back Jesse Edwards and John Bolajak are your centers, who I do think can make progress next year, and that's pretty solid, actually, at the center position, all things considered. So that's who you have, and given those 10, Bayheim's still going to find a way to not play Woody Newton, maybe, as a freshman, or not play John Bolajak even after he redshirted last year and made progress. Like, he's not going to play all 10, assuming Braswell does come back. I think the whole interesting thing when you went through that breakdown right there was the fact that this team has the same amount of guards as centers next year. Doesn't that <laughs> yeah. seem like a problem? I mean, really. It's not when, good. <laughs> when you look at the way that basketball is going, you have to have shooters. You have to have guys who can score the basketball. We talked all of last year or I guess this past season, about how this team was only going to function when there were three guys who made threes. And we did not see that a lot towards the end of the year. We saw games where Buddy would go 0-4 or Joe Girard would go 0-4 or Elijah Hughes gets injured. 
there were problems for this team shooting the basketball. Where are they going to make up for that lost three-point output that Elijah Hughes gave you? Because we know Gerard and Beheim will bring it back. Is Garrier going to expand his game and step back? Because that was a big thing with him. They thought he could shoot the three a little bit. Is Dolajai going to expand his game? We've always heard that, yeah, that's the next step in his game. Well, when is he going to take that step? Because we have not seen Yeah, the seen finger it. injury was big right. on that front this exactly. year. Exactly. And then, okay, you bring in Kaderi Richmond. You bring in Woody Newton. But are they going to see playing time? Who is going to be your third three-point shooter? That is a huge, huge burning question for this Orange team heading into next season. Maybe it's Braswell if he comes back because we know he can shoot it, but that's assuming he gets healthy. So I don't know. I mean, I'm not going to beat around the bush. Like That's a really rough outlook in terms of Syracuse basketball standards. What I just read off there is an NIT team. It's borderline yeah. a tournament. It's it's more the same. And it's really, you'd be foolish to think it's anything but. Because I believe in Joe Girard and Buddy Beheim. I like them. But in terms of talent that I just read off, there's not a single ESPN 100 guy outside of Richmond who's barely an ESPN 100 guy. And who knows if we'll even stay there. So there, it's bleak. I mean, this is not a talented team coming back. They're going to struggle to score. And based on what we saw this year, maybe they'll be a little bit better, but they're still going to struggle down low against these top ACC teams. The zone is still going to give up threes and probably going to give up some offensive rebounds like it traditionally does. So I'd be very worried. I am worried about next year. And that's why getting someone like Seth Towns is so important. But I just don't think Seth Towns is coming here based on the list of teams that he has. And maybe I'm wrong on that front. I have no inside sources there it just does feel like he would maybe go to a virginia or an ohio state before he'd come to syracuse based on what's been going on here in the past couple years and listen here's the the thing that orange fans have to root for have to root for and it feels cruel especially with everything that's going on but all those lost seasons that all those seniors had the orange cannot afford to have the ncaa give back another year to these seniors because guess what they benefit nothing from that Elijah yeah, Hughes that, that is not going to change his decision one bit because he can come back anyway if he wants the only true senior on this team and I guess he's a redshirt senior at that is John Belby who was not going to contribute to this team next year okay so when you take everything into account here it just lets the the seniors of the ACC get another year and the rest of your team is kind of screwed <laughs> because you benefit right. nothing while the rest of your conference gets richer in a sense. I don't know if it's going to happen, but if you're a Syracuse fan, that is doomsday scenario. Yeah, we'll talk more about the state of the program with James Zuba later on in the week, hopefully. And I'm really excited for that because yeah. I I think I, I'm sort of ready to... For that. Yeah, we might need to because I'm ready to to come out with an iron fist at this point and, and tell it like it is because I know maybe if you've been listening in the past, we've teetered on that edge, but like th- this is a problem. They don't have much optimism going into next year, and I don't think we should tell it any different than how it is right now. Now, if they do get towns, that could change things, but 
Anything else on the depth chart wise no, that you'd like to add? Hit everything there worth mentioning. Again, it's it's going to be slim pickings, and really the depth chart means nothing if you do end up playing seven guys. Totally. So let's wrap up the show by going over some dome memories because yesterday the dome top, as we know it, as everyone's saying, did go down. It was deflated. So we're going to talk about our most deflating moment and the Dome in our history watching Syracuse anything. That's next on Locked on Syracuse. If you've been a listener of this podcast, I'm sure you've heard all the great advertisers working with Locked On to reach sports fans. But you may not know that Locked On Syracuse is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Orange fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners. Not just any podcast listener, a Locked On podcast listener. If your company wants to connect with Syracuse fans in a predominantly male audience that is well-educated with disposable income, then let's put your company right here on this Locked On podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses. Text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com slash advertising. Let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve Locked On advertising success. Once again, text the word advertising to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcast.com backslash advertising. We look forward to hearing from you. Okay, the day came, the dome went down as we know it. Let me just first say that this is just being completely blown out of proportion. <laughs> like, nothing's really that different. It's not like there's not a dome anymore We can anymore open doors now, Tim. We can open doors. Right. I mean, it's, it's for the better. I, I just, I think it's a little ridiculous, but, you know, we've got nothing. I mean, it gives us something to talk about and something to reflect on. I think that part's cool to sort of look back on some of the memories we've had in the Dome. Maybe at some point we'll talk about the good memories. For now, we thought it'd be fun to talk about our most deflating memory in honor of it being deflated yesterday. So, Tyler, you want to you wanna start us off? Because I think I'm going to go this year for my deflating memory, given how bad it was this year. But maybe you have something different. First of all, hat tip to our friend and friend of the program, Jenna Fink, because she put out that cool time-lapse yes. video of the dome actually deflating. Just sped it up. It was really cool. And if you you didn't see that, just I'm sure if you search her on Twitter, you can find her. I don't have her handle handy on me right now, so I apologize. Or you can search at L-O yeah, actually, we quote-tweeted <laughs> it, so check out our, our uh, Twitter account, and you can find her Twitter account. Anyway, I'll, I've got two, okay? And okay. I don't know exactly... Where You're excited start. for this. I yeah, can tell. I was because there were a lot <laughs> over my time. There were good, plenty of good moments during my time at Syracuse as well, but there were definitely a lot of bad moments during my time at Syracuse. I'll start with this one, and I guess this is a really cool one in a sense too, but it was also, I mean, when you were a fan in the building watching this too, you're kind of like, Oh, what the heck is happening? What is the state of this football program? And that is their game against Louisville. What was this? This was my sophomore year, so this is now three years ago. And Lamar Jackson, the hurdle into the corner of the end zone, and that was his Heisman moment for the rest of the season. I mean, you saw Syracuse on every single Lamar Jackson highlight tape solely from that game. I mean, forget the fact that he hurdled guys. Like, he put up, I think, like 600 yards of total offense on his own that night. 
and he was just throwing. It was bomb after bomb after bomb. I mean, that that hurdle play. I think it was like a, a 15, 20 yard run. That was one of the shortest plays he had all night. I mean, yeah. he was dominant in that game. So that that's one of mine. My my other one that that I had from from this from what Syracuse did against uh, against or deflating moments for Syracuse was yeah. the Virginia game against Syracuse in what was my last time actually in the dome. Syracuse Virginia, if you remember the regular season finale or no the home finale for the Orange. This was a season ago now, so not this past season, but the season before that when Virginia Tech went into the Dome and shot 72% from three. Kyle Guy was 8 for 10, DeAndre Hunter 5 for 7, Ty Jerome 5 for 6. Yeah, that was a tough one. I mean, they were just handing out free buckets. And again, you got to remember, this was a talented Syracuse team defensively that year and Virginia still went in and shot 72% from three and it's not 72% from three on like four, five, six attempts. No, they shot 25 times. I've never been more helpless as a Syracuse fan in my life watching that game because I mean the showcase that the eventual champions put on that night. That's when I kind of knew, yep, that team's winning the national championship. I guess the good thing is with both of those is they aged pretty well, meaning Lamar Jackson went on to win MVP and Virginia went on to win it all. So yeah. if you're going to get the deflated, for too. yeah. My moment came from this year, and I don't really think it's all that close. It was Boston College football when they put up oh, yeah. like 600 bajillion yards on the ground. I was inside the dome for that. In the first quarter, I thought they were in the game. I, I actually thought they might win the game. That's how bad it got. Because the second quarter was just 50-yard run, 60-yard touchdown run, 70-yard touchdown run. And the part that made that experience so deflating is you knew what BC was doing. They couldn't throw the ball. They had a backup quarterback in there who was a former walk-on. So everyone knew, and they were selling out the box, and they just still couldn't stop them at home against a team that everyone thought was going to be much worse than them. So that was easy for me because... It was the lowest point probably the football season, too, what was such a hyped-up football season, and that's when it really hit you like. And I think Brian Ward got fired the next day. That's when you realize that this season is one of the worst ever, especially when you consider the hype going in. Yeah, I had a similar moment to that. Now that you say that, I remembered being in the Dome when A.J. Dillon ran over Syracuse back in 2017, and... It was the last game of the year, senior day for Syracuse, and boom, A.J. Dillon goes off for 193 and three touchdowns. I just pulled up the box score from that game because he triggered my memory of that. So, right. He, he really Tough haunted memories. Syracuse fans in the dome. I mean, he ran yeah. for well, probably close to 400 yards total in the dome. I mean, he was almost, I think he was 250-something this year. I'd have to look it up, and yeah, I don't I even got want it. 242, because... yeah, you're right there. So six oh, in gosh. two games in the Dome, he had six touchdowns, and my quick math there tells me that is 100, 435 yards. Wow, good math. Yeah. Your middle school teacher would be proud of you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think BC's backup running back put up almost 100 in that game, too. It was it was that bad. Their quarterback ran for some, too. I. I don't want to think about that experience, but 
Anyway, maybe we'll get to our, our good dome memories at yeah, some point later in the week. Yeah, we can save that for the week. week. We can ask Goody, yeah. too, and, and J- James will have a, an encyclopedia of dome memories since he's, yes. he grew up around there. So, James Zuba of Noon's Magician will be on we later in the week, for hopefully. Seton Hall memories, too, because he's a Seton Hall yes. season ticket holder. Especially with the Torian Thompson news. I yeah. want to get his insight on maybe why he wasn't playing because, again, I was a huge Torian Thompson supporter when he was here, at least on the offensive side of the ball. So... Check out tomorrow's podcast. We will have Matthew Gutierrez, our good pal from The Athletic, James Zuba, later on in the week from Noon's Magician. And I think we'll wrap up Friday with maybe having some fun, maybe do a Syracuse bracket or yeah, let's talk do to someone else. Fridays Who knows? here for the rest of March and, and into April, all right? Well, let, yeah. yeah, Syracuse bracket Fridays. Let's do it. Casual Fridays at mm-hmm. the end of the day. So yeah. Anyway, I hope everyone stays safe out there and continues to check us out for a distraction here during this uncertain time. So we'll be back tomorrow on Locked on Syracuse. For Tyler, I'm Tim, and we'll talk to you guys then.